Good morning, Trinity Alliance Church family, and those of you who are visiting with us this morning, once again, we're coming to you online here on Facebook and YouTube. We hope you've been able to connect with us well here, and if you're having any problems with that, uh, shoot us a text message or something, and we'll help get you uh, connected up with this so you can join us at this uh, service and worship this morning. Uh, we've got a number of things planned here and going on. Let me share with you just a few announcements and things going. Uh, first of all, those of you that happen to find us here and are visiting here, we wish you could be here in person with us. We're looking forward to a time when we can make that happen again. But if you'd shoot us a, an email at uh, tacreading at trinityalliance.org, we'd love to hear from you and, and hear what you have to say and what you experience and how God's blessed you and what he's doing in your life. So uh, just contact us that way. Um, uh, for the rest of you, too, part of our church family, you can go to tacreading.info and get the sermon notes and get the other information and announcements and things that I'll be sharing uh, here in a minute. You also should have received uh, an, another letter and some video blogs this past week, uh, one from Pastor Sean and one from myself about some different things. We're going to be communicating to you that way. And, and so we hope that uh, you found those helpful and encouraging. And uh, there'll be more coming out this week as well. If you're not on that list, uh, our MailChimp list, let us know and we will get you on that. And we're going to primarily be communicating about all the things that are happening through this unsettling time through that media. So let us know and we'll put you on the list with that um, right away. Just want to remind you again, still all the campus activities here are suspended um, just so we can continue to protect uh, one another from this virus that's going around and, and just observe that. Um, some of the other events that we had scheduled that are canceled, ladies, your women's retreat that was scheduled for April has been canceled, uh, and there'll be more information coming about what's happening with that in the future, so be uh, paying attention there. There was a bridal shower scheduled for Aubrey uh, Preeb and Ethan uh, Mansfeld. Um, that is not happening now, but however, uh, we would still like to bless them with gifts, and so if you, they're registered Bed Bath & Beyond, if you'd like to go there and get them a gift, or um, uh, cards, gift cards from Home Depot, I understand, are an excellent thing as well. Uh, you can get those for them, and then contact my wife, Sherry, with that, and she'll take care and make sure that all the gifts get to Aubrey and Ethan. Some of the things that are still happening, though, we are still doing Sacred Space. We're doing it online on Facebook on Saturday at 6 p.m. So if you'll get online on Facebook at 6 p.m., you will uh, be able to be a part of that. That's our prayer time that we are doing through the Lent season. And so tune in there on Facebook. Also, our connection groups and our youth group have been meeting uh, through the media Zoom and been, been playing around with that. Understand our youth group had an awesome time with that. Uh, this last week, my connection group met with it and it was a lot of fun. It was interesting uh, to go through that and, and, and still be able to connect up even though we were all in our individual homes. And so that was kind of an awesome time as well. The church office is still open. We're taking calls, we're looking at emails and so you can still contact us there and whatnot. And we just wanna remind you too, that uh, offerings, if some of you were asking about that, you can mail in your offering to the church, uh, or you can go on our tacreading.info site, click on the giving card, and it'll take you right to our online portal giving there, and, and you can take care of your offering that way as the Lord leads you. Finally, a question you might have is how much longer is this going to go on? We really don't know. Uh, right now, our plan is for next Sunday to once again be here online uh, with you, and so plan on that. As soon as we know more, we'll let you know more when we can be back again on campus. And we're hoping that is going to happen here very soon. 
So that's all the announcements and things I have for you. I do want to lead you in a reading uh, from God's Word this morning out of Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 8. And so if you would just read with me. Then I saw a new heaven and new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw a holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated at the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for the murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion shall be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the tremendous privilege that is ours to continue to meet together even though that we are separated physically, that we can meet together in spirit, that we can be united by your spirit to worship you in spirit and truth. And Father, I pray that as we journey through these next uh, 60 plus minutes, that your spirit will teach us the things that we need to know from, from you, through the word that is preached, through the songs that we sing, through, through the, the time that we spend together, Lord. May we be uh, just all the more saturated with that relationship presence with you. And so, Lord, I, I pray that as... as as we go through this morning, that, that all of the fears and trepidation and things that may be present in our lives because of the circumstances that are going on right now, that those would be set aside, that we would have an overwhelming sense of peace and, and unity and oneness and presence with you as we worship this morning. So Lord, I just trust for your awesome work to be done. Pray that all that is done here this morning will bring you glory and honor and praise the highest. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's sing together. Psalm 84. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of heaven's armies. I long, yes, I faint with longing to enter the courts of the Lord. With my whole being, body, and soul, I will shout joyfully to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home, and the swallow builds her nest and raises her young at a place near your altar. O Lord of heaven's armies, my King and my God, 
What joy for those who can live in your house, always singing your praises. What joy for those whose strength comes from the Lord, who have set their minds on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. When they walk through the valley of weeping, it will become a place of refreshing springs. The autumn rains will clothe it with blessings. They will continue to grow stronger, and each of them will appear before God in Jerusalem. A single day in your courts is better than a thousand anywhere else. I'd rather be a gatekeeper in the house of my God than live the in, then live the good life in the homes of the wicked. For the Lord God is our sun and our shield. He gives us grace and glory.
Amen. Ah, welcome, welcome, welcome. It's a great pajama Sunday, right? Pajama Sunday. Yeah, you guys can be in your pajamas in your living rooms. What a great day, right? So you probably got some, you know, SpongeBob pajamas, maybe some Santa Claus pajamas out, right? Maybe some Roadrunner pajamas. I don't know what else is cool. We should put some pictures, though, on the Facebook of everybody in their pajamas, right? You know, so if you think about it, go ahead and do that right now. Maybe take a couple of pictures of your crew and, you know, and their pajamas that they're sitting in or whatever, you know, because this is going to be great, right? Pajama Sunday. Every Sunday? I think I might wear pajamas next week. I don't know. What do you think? I think I could do it. What do you think, honey? Yeah, I could do it. She, she thinks I could do it. It'd be great. Uh, anyway, so that's pajamas. Uh, it's good to be with you guys. I'm super excited uh, once again to be able to have this opportunity to uh, just worship together in this kind of weird format, right? It's different, uh, but it's still the same in a sense. Like God is still working. He's still doing his stuff, right? And I was so amazed last week at how uh, the Holy Spirit seemed to just kind of unite us together, right? It was just, I don't maybe you felt that way. I talked to several others have felt that way, that like the Holy Spirit was still moving, right? So often it, we feel like that's, you know, kind of an atmosphere thing, you know, it happens in the room. But to have that happening in all of our different living rooms all at one time uh, is kind of crazy, right? But that's the kind of God that we're worshiping. And, and I'm, so anyway, I just praying that God will continue to do that as long as uh, our church and other churches around the globe have to do church this way, that he would continue to allow his Holy Spirit to use this, this forum and this, this media forum in order to uh, communicate his word, but also to be able to spread his Holy Spirit into our different living rooms, into our different worlds, <laughs> wherever we may be. Uh, a couple of things I just wanted to uh, highlight this, uh, this morning with you is, uh, first of all, I, I just want to uh, 
let you know, uh, Mike Hurley posted this on our Facebook page and kind of got a little bit hidden, so I don't know if everybody saw it, so I want to make sure everybody knew uh, that he had posted this, but Mike Hurley's been helping with uh, the Billy Graham organization and uh, being a chapel with that organization right now, and so he's been taking phone calls uh, every, not every day, but several days a week and just chatting with different people that are calling in that are looking for hope and looking for help and just need somebody to talk to, and he's been doing that. And he's been blessed by that, but he's, he said that this week he had two people, uh, an 85-year-old guy in Florida, I think, and a, and a 40-year-old guy, and a 35-year-old guy maybe in Colorado, I think it was, that gave their life to Christ for the first time. God is working. He is doing stuff with this crisis, right? He recognized that uh, this was coming, right? And even though Satan wants to use this to defeat us, he wants to use this to destroy us, he wants to use this to drive people away from God's love, God is working in it and he is using it to draw people to himself. And so I just want to encourage you. Uh, you, know, my, you may not be a chapel, a chapel like a chaplain like Mike is, but uh, there's other ways that we can be reaching out and loving our neighbors and the people that we interact with. I talked about in my vlog earlier this week about getting out of our homes and sitting in the front porches and our front yards as people walk by to engage in conversation or even to go on a walk ourselves through our neighborhood. But there's so many other ways that we can do that. And so I just encourage you to continue to ask Jesus, what can you do? What is he calling you into? Where can you find a way to, to bless people and to care for people and to share the love of Christ with them? I still believe that God is going to continue to bring people into his kingdom, and we as a church are ready for that. We're ready. Uh, we've been equipped, and uh, even though we're not coming together on a weekly basis like in person, we're still coming together in this forum, and God is going to launch us out of our living rooms into this world. So just uh, I just encourage you, look for those opportunities. The other thing I wanted to take a moment to, to talk about as well is actually just more of a prayer time that we have people that are still hurting outside of the virus. You know, thankfully there's not very many cases right now in the Shasta County area, uh, but we've got others uh, that started in January that have been having some major health issues in our church. Of course, Bobby Stewart who's been struggling with, the, struggling with these seizures that have come back. We want to continue to lift up Bobby. We have uh, Karen Grace, who uh, has got stage three lung cancer and be getting treatments for that, so we need to lift her up. Uh, we have uh, uh, Rebecca, of course, Moravec, who is uh, working to defeat stage four uh, ovarian cancer right now, and she's been feeling better the last uh, few days, and that's we're praising the Lord for that, but that's a long haul she's got. And then also uh, Kathy Brown, who's going in for surgery this Tuesday, in the morning, and we just want to lift her up for uh, this uh, surgery she's going in to try to defeat uh, breast cancer. And so I just want to take a few minutes this morning, and may you join me in these prayers uh, as I just uh, lift each of these individuals up. Also, that I would just, I'll be praying for the rest of our service uh, this morning as well, and, uh, and then we'll move on with our service. All right, so join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much for your goodness, that you are a God who is in all of this. You're, you're around the globe. You are walking and journeying with people in the midst of this crisis. Lord, you were not surprised by this virus showing up. You, you had no, you were, it wasn't a surprise to you in any sense. You, you knew it was coming and you were prepared. And matter of fact, you had been preparing your people to respond to this as well. 
And so, Lord, we pray that you would continue to empower us. Lord, that you would give us a vision and eyes to see where you're at work around us, the people who are needing hope, the people who are needing love, the people who are needing peace, uh, that we would be able to recognize those people around us where you're at work and that we would then have the courage to step out and join you in that, join you in caring for them and loving them and reaching out to them. Uh, Lord, give us creativity in that as well, that we would be able to come up with uh, creative ideas that are beyond what we normally would come up with in order to reach out and to find those people in our world that, that need that, that help. Also, Lord, we know <clears throat> there's a lot of people in our church who have some health crises right now. And so we wanna lift up Bobby Stewart to you, that you continue to be with him. And they're still doing a lot of tests trying to figure out what's going on, if there's a way to be able to help him with this and, and, and help to kind of diminish these seizures that he's having and the memory lapses that are coming with them. And so Lord, we just pray for the doctors in that, that they would continue to be guided, but that Lord, you'd bring healing into Bobby's life and that he'd be able to be encouraged and that he'd feel a peace about this as well, recognizing that you're in control. Also pray for uh, Karen Grace as she, begins this battle with uh, lung cancer. And we pray for uh, Rebecca Moravec as she's fighting ovarian cancer. And we pray for Kathy Brown as well who's fighting this breast cancer. We know that you are aware of all these situations. We know that you've already shown yourself uh, in amazing and powerful and beautiful ways in each of their lives. We ask that you continue to do that. Lord, that you would bring healing to all of these people in our church. Not for their glory, for their blessing certainly, but not for their glory, but for your glory, that you would get all the credit, that Lord, you would do it in miraculous ways, in ways that only you can do, in the ways that we can't take credit for, so that you get the glory. Lord, thank you that we are a church who, who loves each other and loves this community. Continue to remind us of these individuals throughout the week, that we would be reminded to pray for them, and that we'd be reminded to, to lift them up, and, and that you would continue to do that in our hearts and in our lives and our minds. Lord, thank you for this service. Thank you for this opportunity to meet like this. It'd be much better to be in the same room, but Lord, you knew this was coming. You have prepared us for this moment, and you've prepared this church for this kind of service. So Lord, bind our hearts together, even though we're in different living rooms across the county. May you bind us together. We may, may we feel your spirit move this morning. Lord, would you speak to us? Would you encourage us? Would you challenge us? Would you change us? Lord, we need to know that you're here. We need to know you're real. We need to know it, not just in our heads, but also in our hearts and our experiences. So we had asked that you give us that experience this morning. Something else, a testimony to give, to be able to testify to your goodness, how you showed yourself to be real and true once more. Thank you for all that you're doing. Thank you for allowing us to be a part of that. Lord, we lift this service to you for your glory and for our blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, stand up, say hi to your guy you know, next to you on the couch if there's someone there, right? If there's not anybody there, then just kind of say hi to yourself. Hi. <laughs> and then we're going to go ahead and continue with music and some singing. So uh, let's continue to worship together. It's giving you a moment to do your jazz hands to your neighbor. Or turn to your neighbor or to yourself, if, like Pastor Sean said, if you're the only one there. But guess what? We're with you. Holy Spirit is with you. You're not alone. I love that, the fact that we're all doing this together. Amen. There's power. 
in His presence, and His presence is within each one of us, in our homes, in our households. And we're gonna walk in that spirit. But say to your neighbor, Jesus loves you. Amen. And God is with you. God is with each and every one of us. And we're gonna walk in the next few minutes just in that power of knowing that God is with us. And like Pastor Sean said, that he would bind us together within his Holy Spirit and we would unite in our words that we sing, that we sing them out loud and we would give glory and honor and praise to him for he is good and he is just and he is merciful and he turns all things, all things together for good. Amen. Sing this with me as a prayer as we begin our service our worship time this morning.
Dear Heavenly Father, we just uh, thank you this morning that, that we could join together, if not uh, in body, but in spirit, just worshiping and praising your name today. Lord, just thank you for everything that you're doing in our lives. And despite circumstances, Lord, uh, we know that you are sovereign and nothing goes on that you don't already know about. And Lord, we just uh, pray for the, the message this morning. Pray that you uh, fill Pastor Sean with your Holy Spirit. And Lord, just give us ears to hear what you're going to speak through him this morning. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. People, uh, human beings, are amazing, don't you think? Uh, It's just amazing what we can do with these bodies and minds of ours. Uh, It's just really stunning. I mean, I don't know if you ever thought about it, right? I mean, just think about the different people in history and the different things that they've done and the things that we've accomplished. I mean, even today, the 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 technology that we have, that we're using right now. I mean, literally, like 15 years ago, impossible. Even 10 years ago, impossible. I mean, really to do it this scale, 
for everyone to be able to do it. Uh, 20 years ago, it was, you know, I mean, not even thought of almost, right? I mean, it was like, how do we use, I mean, Facebook wasn't around, right? How do we do this, right? It's, It's amazing what we've done just in the last 100 years and what we've come up with, but just the human bodies. I mean, think about our brains and how they work. I mean, guys like, you know, Albert Einstein, I mean, brilliant, right? Uh, just amazing the things that he was able to think about and understand and, and be able to contribute to society. Uh, think about like uh, Michelangelo, right? I mean, the Sistine Chapel and the artistry and the amazing talent that he had to, to, to paint and all of that. Uh, uh, think about Mozart and the music, right? I mean, amazing music that he was able to produce. And, and, and then spiritually and theologically, think about guys like Martin Luther, right? And, and maybe some more contemporaries like, you know, John Piper and C.S. Lewis and John uh, uh, and N.T. Wright. I mean, it's amazing the abilities is this our bodies have the, the the abilities that our minds have to understand things, right? And and we see this on a daily basis in our life, maybe on kind of a lesser scale. You know, if we compare ourselves to the Thomas Edison's of the world or the Albert Einstein's of the world, maybe we're kind of like, well, yeah, not much, right? But if we just kind of compare ourselves to you know where we were a few years ago and see how we've developed over time and how we've honed our skills and gotten better and better at things. And, and, and we really rely on this, right? I mean, this is how we survive in this world, right? The, the skills that we have, the gifts and the talents that we have as we develop those over time, the, 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 the knowledge that we have as we continue to learn and, and uh, become you know, better adept at dealing with problems around us or, or the relational abilities that we have. You know, just imagine the, the intimacy that some of us have experienced or maybe many of us have experienced with a spouse or maybe with a best friend or some way. I mean, it's amazing the relationships that we can build. And, and really, all of these talents, all these abilities, our ability to impact and influence the world, these are the ways that we kind of survive, right, in this life. These are the ways that they, 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 they they're the way that we make you know, a living. It's, it's how we are able to get the wealth that we have or to be able to enjoy the influences that we have. These are the things that we can use. And it's amazing the power that we can come up with and that we can learn to develop and, and the way that we can uh, manage our life as a result of what we've been given, these amazing talents. But we also recognize that, that there's also this, there, there's only so much space in this world for these different talents, right? I mean, it doesn't matter how smart you are, there seems to always be someone in the world who's smarter than you. Uh, it doesn't matter how talented of an artist you are, there always seems to be someone in the world that is more talented than you. It doesn't matter how relational you are, how great you are in leadership, there's always someone else that seems to be a little bit better than you. And so we find ourselves in this world where we recognize the importance of our talents and our abilities uh, to, to being able to earn a living in order to survive in this world. We recognize that that's, you know, th- th- there's competition for that. That if we really want to excel, if we really want to you know, make a little bit more money and have a little bit more value and a little more purpose in our life, that we, you know, we're in competition with other people. And this creates in us this competition, this fierceness, this manipulation that we look for in order to try to get ahead of somebody else. 
Uh, this can also create in us a, a sense, you know, of, uh, uh, of, you know, there's a real selfishness to it, right? You know, it's about me against the world. We certainly see this in our business world and in, even in church worlds, we see this as pastors are competing with other pastors to, you know, have the bigger church or to have the, you know, the better podcast or to have the whatever it may be. And so we're constantly in this world, we're constantly looking as, you know, we're trying to get ahead of other people, trying to be able to carve out our space, right? Trying to be unique maybe in some way, but also be able to be better than other people. And so we're competing against each other, we're manipulating each other, we're, and we're driven by selfishness. And this results in a sense of arrogance, that, that, you know, sometimes, you know, if we're successful, you know, the, the ones who are most successful in the world, they, they kind of, you know, get, you know, kind of this sense that, you know, I'm pretty good. I've done quite a bit. Look at what I've got. But also when we are facing, uh, maybe when we begin to fail or, or the world doesn't work the way we want or our talents don't come up and rise up to the, to the occasion that we really need them to, we can feel some frustration in that. Or if maybe the rules are kind of, you know, they're bent a little bit against us so that other people are getting an advantage that we're not. We can be frustrated by that. We can, even if we begin to fail a lot in this world and, and our talents and our abilities and our knowledge and our relational abilities, they're just not enough in this world, then we can get pretty desperate and even fall into a sense of despair that, you know, what we have to offer this world isn't really that valuable. It's not anything that anybody looks to. So we recognize the amazing abilities that we have, the amazing talents that the human body can do, but we also recognize that, in essence, it's a kind of a fading glory that that even for those who are most successful among us, that those talents and those abilities, as we age, oftentimes begin to fade. And we may have been the, the best artist in the whole world, but then over time, there's somebody else, some new young artist comes up and maybe our abilities begin to fade a little bit and then they take us over and now they're the best artist in the world. See, the reality is, no matter if we're at the elite side of things or if we're just kind of the average or if we're, you know, maybe kind of down in the, the bottom uh, rung of the ladder, we all experience this fade. We recognize that at some point in our life, what we have to offer this world is going to become kind of obsolete. Um, think about the fact of relationships, how oftentimes relationships end. We may think we've got this amazing marriage and have enjoyed many years of it and you know how many times have I heard stories of people who've been married for 30 years and then it's over. Uh, even just think about death in itself, right? That, that oftentimes, you know, again, it, this impacts us in our jobs and our careers but also in our relationships and in the impact that we have on this world. We know that death is coming. Sometimes we have, you know, maybe a spouse or a family member, a mom or a dad who, who passed away young or a child maybe who passed away too soon. And that relationship was broken. And so even with death, we recognize that the, the, as much talent as we have or maybe even as little talent as we have, it's going to diminish over time. Our impact and legacy that we could even leave in this world is so often dependent on maybe just one false word or one mistake 
We make one mistake, and even though we've built this amazing career, one word just spoken a little bit you know, out of context or not quite in the way, we didn't quite think through it, and all of a sudden we lose it all. For us as adults maybe who are uh, in the retirement age of things, I think it's probably too obvious that we recognize that the talents and the abilities that we once had are certainly fading and, and we're in recognizing that and having to deal with that and learning how to do life differently and learning how to, to cope with this new normal. But some of us, I think, of the younger generation, you know, we, we still kind of, you know, in the, in, in the middle of, you know, that kind of the glory days in essence, right? And we still have hope that, oh, we're going to even do better next year and still have this sense that we can make this happen and that, you know, this is really good. I just need a little bit of learn, I mean, a little bit more training, a little bit, you know, more learning, a little bit more, you know, you know practice, and then I'm going to be even better next year. And so for those of us, and there's many of us in that group, and including, I think, the young <laughs> teenagers and, be, and beyond that that maybe have this perspective of, you know, uh, yeah, I, I've got these gifts and talents and they're going to be okay. They're going to get me through. So I want to give you an illustration that will help us to maybe more clearly understand what we're talking about and drive home the truth of this reality of fading glory in our talents. And that's the playground. How many of you guys have ever played on the playground, right, as a kid, right? Don't you remember? I mean, great days as a child on the playground. I mean, the, the swings and the slides and the monkey bars and just all the crazy things that you could do, you know, the teeter-totters and all the stuff that we could run around as a kid and do. Just great times being a kid. But, you know, on the playground, you know, there's kind of, there's certain skills, right, that we can develop, right? And, you know, you know that gal, that one girl, right? You know, she's, you know, probably named Sally or something like that, I don't know, maybe Samantha. Samantha, you know, Frozen 2, yeah, you're welcome, yeah, you're laughing right now, I know you are, have you seen it, if you haven't seen it, you need to see it, it's free on Disney Plus right now, anyway, okay, anyway, so like, you know, this gal named Sally, right, she's, she's the one on the monkey bars, right, and she's hanging upside, she always tucks in her shirt first, right, and then she hangs upside down, and she can do all crazy things, you know, she's hanging upside down, I don't know, say the alphabet backwards or whatever, and she's swinging, and then she flips off the bar, I mean, that's a real talent in the playground, right, there's, there's others that, you know, are really good in the slide, right, they, they know how to go to that slide and at the end kind of jump off, right? Or, or, or they're able to climb up the slide really fast, like, you know, and it's amazing. People can slide under them, but it doesn't knock them off. They can keep going. And there's some that are just, you know, fast. They just like to run around, right? And for me, I was a swinger, right? I loved to swing, you know? It was, it was a good time swinging, right? And so I get in the swing and my, my thing that I could do is when I would swing, right, you'd jump off at the end, right? So you'd not only swing high, but then as you're like done, okay, I'm done swinging and you're going to get ready and you're going to jump off right so that would be me I'd be there and I'd kind of at the end and I'd just jump and I'd get all this air and then I would land out way far from the swing and everybody go wow that was amazing right I mean I was the swing jumper I could do it you know I was pretty awesome so anyway this is the playground but right I mean today right those of us who have grown up that aren't kids anymore you know I went back one time to the playground and I thought you know just brought me back this is probably about I don't know maybe eight years ago and I was well into my 40s at this time, and I was like, you know, I you know, go to a playground. I'm like, I remember, you know, back when I was a kid, I was, I was a swing jumper, right? So there's a great swing there, the big swing. I was like, oh, man, this is going to be awesome. So I'm swinging away and just having a great time. And I'm just like, everybody's walking. My family's there. They're all watching. Woo, 
Look at Sean swing. This is amazing, right? And then I'm like, okay, I'm going to do the big finale, right? I'm going to jump off the swing. It's going to be amazing, right? And so I'm swinging. I'm getting down there, and I'm ready to go. And then I'm like, okay, this is it. And I come forward, and I let go, and my bottom doesn't let go. And it stays in the swing, and it flips me forward, and I end up doing a face plant in the ground, and I got to like gravel and stuff in my face, and it was like so painful, but more so embarrassing. <laughs> I realized in that moment, is like, okay, I am not a kid anymore. Things have changed, right? And, and so this is, this is like, uh, you know, our careers, right, and our talents right now that we have. It's the same thing. Just like we can't go back to the playground and do the same things that we used to. You know, our talents and our abilities, our agility has changed, It's faded, and it's the same in our careers today, and we need to understand that. The the things, the talents, and the abilities we have today, the the knowledge that we have in our brain is not going to be there forever. It's going to fade at some point, and we need to be aware of that. And that brings us to Jesus, because Jesus also lived in this world, He lived in this world with all the talents and the abilities that kind of we have, right? I mean, you would think that that Jesus, of all the people who ever lived on the planet, that Jesus would be the one that could be successful forever in this this life that he's living, right? You know, that he's going to have the perfect personality, he's going to have the perfect talent mix, he's going to be able to have these amazing relationships, be a great businessman, and have this amazing movement. You think that Jesus, if anybody could could be successful for all time and be able to have you know a legacy that lasts forever it would be Jesus but let's see what he did in this world from a worldly perspective the things that he accomplished you know because really think about his movement right I mean he 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 created a movement certainly I mean the kind of the heyday was the feeding of the 5,000 okay now that's just 5,000 men right there was probably more like 10,000 people there can you imagine a church filled with 10,000 right I mean that's like a mega church right so he's built this up in just like a year and a half maybe of ministry Right? That's pretty, that's huge growth curve right there, right? So you're thinking, okay, here he is. There's this Jesus. He's got this great ability to communicate. I mean, I love how, you know, hey, let's kick the boat out in the water a little bit. How dramatic is that? I mean, think about it. I mean, I wish I had a boat that we could kick out right now into the water and you guys could be watching me. Oh, boy, doesn't he look more holy out in the boat, right? I mean, just think about this, right? And this is Jesus. But just a little bit after that, He makes a mistake, you would think. I mean, he says, you know, chapter 6 of John, he says, you know, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can't be a part of my clan, right? And everybody starts like, whoa, what do you mean by that? And they start kind of walking away. And all of a sudden, the 10,000 plus people that Jesus has around him, it's like uh, down to kind of his disciples and that's it. Right? I mean, so Jesus, you know, he even had failures in this world, right? From a perspective of this world, he was an abject failure in his movement. Even his disciples, think about this. His disciples even, you know, I mean, he spent three years with these guys, training them. And then in the end, they're like, you know, cowering in their rooms, right? They're freaking out. Think about his relationships with his father who died when he was young and his brothers, both his brothers are just like, they totally rejected him. He, they thought he was a kook. 
Like, you're a heretic. You're a crazy. Get out of here, brother. I don't know what you're thinking, but you're, you've lost something, all right? You get out, right? And then even in his dying on the cross, he dies at 33 years of age, loses his relationship with his mother, has to ask one of his disciples to come alongside and take care of her. And then he dies as a criminal. I mean, think about the legacy that you would think he would leave. In the moment, the legacy he was leaving was one of a criminal, of a failure, of a heretic. No one was chanting his name when he died. No one was really even thinking it was that big a deal, except for maybe a couple of his disciples and his mother, obviously. They were just kind of like, yeah, okay, well, I guess he wasn't who we thought he was. Others were like, yeah, it's about time he's dead, that heretic. Others were like, yeah, that criminal, he's a, he's a rubber rouser. We're glad he got rid of him. He could have created some, all kinds of chaos for Rome. <laughs> he ends his life rejected, humiliated, and disappointed. And the symbol of this is a sponge filled with sour wine. John chapter 19, verses 28 and 29. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. Jesus' final drink was this sour wine. It was a sour wine. I mean, basically, this was, understand that this was like cooking wine. This was not the good stuff, right? This was the worst stuff. This was for the servants of servants of servants, right? This was not, you know, the stuff that you would serve at a party. This was the stuff that was just kind of left over. This was, this was bad wine. I don't, know, I don't know if you know anything about wine, but there's, there's bad wines, and then there's good wines, right? Cooking wine, and then usually the, the good wine is pretty expensive, right? You know, I don't know if you've had it before, but, you know, in Napa Valley, we've got some good wineries down there, right? Cane 5 and Inglenook and Spring Mountain, these are some of the top quality $200 bottle type of wines that we have, you know, just down the road from us here in Shasta County. And this is not the kind of wine that Jesus drank at the end. He's drinking this sour wine, again, symbolizing the fact that in this world, he was a total failure. Everything that he set out to accomplish seemed to have been totally lost. Would anyone remember him? Would even anyone really care that he existed for 33 years? Would anyone ever hear his message? At this point, it seems like no, that this was the end. But understand, by Jesus drinking this sour wine, he reveals to us that this world and what it has to offer is worthless. That, 
that leaning into our own talents and our own abilities and thinking that that's what's going to allow us to be successful in this world, that that's what's going to allow us to experience the most pleasure, that that is what's going to satisfy us, that we're gonna somehow be content, that if we just you know, learned a little bit more, if we just put in a little bit more practice, if we just you know, had a, a little bit more time, that then we would be able to be successful, that we would then be content, that we'd finally be satisfied with what we have. Jesus is saying right here, no, look, I'm Jesus. And all of these things were not what I lived for. But at the same time, the the amazing irony, back in John, when Jesus first started his ministry, in chapter 2, verses 20, Excuse me, verses somewhere. Chapter 2. We'll read chapter 2. I don't know what the verses are. (laughs) Anyway, you know the story. The wedding at Canaan. On the third day, there is a wedding. They come to him because they run out of wine. And now there were six stone water jars, starting in verse 6, there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. When the master of the feast tasted the water, now become wine, and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first. And when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. Jesus drank the cooking wine, but he offers the fine wine. He offers the best wine. He offers the Napa Valley, you know, $200 a bottle wine. You see, Jesus, as he lived in this world, he failed from the worldly perspective to the fullest extent. Even though he had all the talents, even though he had all the abilities, even though he had all of the knowledge, even though he had the Holy Spirit empowering him to do miracles, he failed in every sense all the way to the point of drinking the sour wine at the end because he wanted us to understand, first of all, that this world and what it has to offer is not worth living for, but second of all, that he has something better, that he has a fine wine that he wants to offer us. And that when we come and bow our knee to him, we can receive this amazing fine wine. See, Jesus offers us eternal benefits, eternal satisfaction. You know, he, he offers us, uh, you know, it's not about our effort in, in Jesus' kingdom. It's not about us being able to be successful because of what we've learned or what we can do. He uses our talents. He uses the abilities he's given us. But it says in 2 Corinthians that it is in our weakness that we are strongest. That's when Jesus shows up. So we understand that even when our talents begin to fade, we have Jesus who will come and he will will hold us up and he will use us. He will be able to continue to use us all the days of our life because it's not based on our strength. It's not based on our knowledge and our abilities. It's based on his abilities. 
He's the one who employs us. He's the one that has a job for us. And so our job, when we look to him first, then we're able to find success and contentment in this world because it's not in the world. It's in Jesus and how he leads us in this world. Relationships as well. He offers us relationships that are eternal, right? When we find that we are failing in this world and relationships that we have with our family members, we can look to him and recognize that he is the great reconciler, that he can bring marriages that are separated back together. I've seen it. Maybe you've seen it. He can do it in your relationship. If you're feeling torn apart in your marriage, understand that Jesus is the answer. It's not you trying to figure out how to be a better husband or a better wife. It's about going to Jesus and saying, Jesus, I need you. We need your help. We need your direction. We need you to help us to love each other better, right? And so Jesus offers reconciliation there. But even when those relations have broken off, even when there's been divorce or even maybe there's been a death in the family, you've lost a loved one, understand that he offers us something more. He offers us an eternal family. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago that we are accepted into the family of God. And we have a good, good father who we can be in perfect relationship for all time. And he has a family that he has given us and we've entered into that we can have perfect relationship for all time. Talked about how Debbie and I moving to California, away from Washington, away from our family. We need family. We love our family. Well, he has given us a new family here. It's not that we've totally lost that family, we're still in contact, but we are so glad that we've got a local family as well in the family of God to be able to care for us, for us to be able to care as well. More than that, as far as a legacy that we can live, when we focus on Jesus, we recognize that it's all about him. It's all about him being remembered It's not about my name being remembered. It's not about Trinity Alliance being remembered. It's not about your name being remembered. It's not that you 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 want your kids and what you've taught them to be remembered for all time. No, it's not about that. It's that they would remember Jesus for all time. Because he's the one, he's the one that we need to, that the whole world needs to know. They don't need to know me. I mean, Martin Luther's a great guy, and it's great that we remember him, but I'm sure Martin Luther would say, I would rather you forget me and remember Jesus if you're going to forget one of the two, forget me, right? Because Jesus is what it's all about. But more than that, hear this. Our eternity is not based on other people remembering us. It's on Jesus remembering us. A few weeks ago, the thief on the cross, Jesus, remember me. See, Jesus remembers us, and that's what we want. That's that's the gold standard. That's that's satisfaction. That's, That's contentment. To know that when Jesus comes into his kingdom and we're standing at the gates and judgment, that it's Jesus is going to step forward and say, no, I know that one. Let him in. That's our hope. The amazing thing about this, again, is this fine wine that we can have in the kingdom of God and the fine wine that Jesus offers comes to us not from our own effort. It's not us pursuing and making it happen, right? It's not about us disciplining ourselves in order to live religiously and and being pious. It's not about that. It's about Jesus and his amazing grace. It's about bowing our knee to Jesus as Lord and recognizing that it's all about him, that he's already done it. 
We talked about this before we got into this series about the fact that we are free because of grace. There's nothing we need to do in order to be accepted by God anymore. We've already been accepted. We have the full relationship with God. So now it's just about worshiping him. That's what we step into. All of this comes to us because of his amazing grace. And because it's by grace, it inspires us to worship. It inspires us to gratitude. It inspires us to generosity. We find ourselves in humility and contentment and at peace with security knowing that our souls are protected for all eternity. You know, many of us today, I think, are still trying not to spill our cooking wine. You know, we're thinking that we've got to kind of continue to pursue the things of this world because the things of this world are how we're going to get by from one day to the next. It's, how, you know, it's our security for retirement because I've got this nice you know, nest egg of, of money that's set aside. I've got a 401k that's you know, doing really well. I've got you know, a relationship, so I've got a lot of kids, and so they're going to take care of me someday so that I don't have to worry about that, and they're going to make sure that I'm taken care of or, or whatever it may be. I'm going to you know, have this career. I'm going to have this name. You know, I'm going to build this amazing business so that everybody will remember me. And we continue to pursue those. And we're afraid to spill that sour wine, even though we're Christians. And we've already tasted this fine wine. But I think we're recognizing in the midst of this crisis right now, our sour wine's getting spilled all over the place. We're recognizing God's allowing us to see that the things that we have been putting our hope in are creating fear in us. If we're watching our 401ks drop and we're freaking out, it's because we're focused on that sour wine, thinking that is going to bring us contentment. That's going to bring us security. If we're a relational person who's spent their whole life developing relationships and is really good at that, extrovert type person who loves to be around people and is constantly looking for conversations, constantly working those conversations and be able to develop you know, these expected relationships but also the, the business that comes from that or a salesman type or whatever. Maybe right now you are, you're recognizing that you need that relationship and you're freaking out. Maybe you're frustrated and you're angry. Why won't they just lift this crazy you know, shelter in place thing so I can get back and get in relationship again? You've been putting your hope and trust in this thing and Jesus is saying, look, you're settling for this sour wine, but I've got fine wine for you. We have an amazing opportunity that Jesus has given us. As for us as Christians who have had a taste of the fine wine, to reevaluate our life and whether we're living for the fine wine or whether we're living for the sour wine. We need to step in to the fine wine. It may, need, may mean that our life is going to be very different. It may mean for some of us that we, we need to quit our jobs and do something different. I know that seems radical, but if Jesus is calling us, to something different than what we're doing, the fine wine is to follow Jesus, not what we think is our talents and our abilities in this world. Maybe he's calling us to different relationships than we've had before. Maybe he's calling us to reconcile a relationship that we've given up on. 
now. You know, I mean, our, our ways to you know, cut our losses and move on. But that's the sour wine. Jesus said, give up that sour wine. I've got fine wine for you. Is it going to be painful? Yeah, it might be painful to walk through that and reconcile. But it's the fine wine. It's what's going to truly satisfy This is an amazing and beautiful and powerful truth. I want you to know that God has been calling me to deeper levels of discomfort in my life. I've talked several times about coming here to be a lead pastor and how that freaked me out. How was this huge step out of my comfort zone and whether I could even do this and whether this was even right or whether this is what, really is this what you have for me, God? But I can tell you this, Two and a half years later, I cannot believe how amazing this wine tastes. It is beyond what I ever thought could be possible. I'm experiencing this newness of relationship with God, a, a, a sense of this is what I was made for, which two years ago, I like, no way. You guys, there is so much more out there. I want you guys to recognize that. Church, we need to, to recognize that it's about Jesus. See, we've given lip service for, for too long, but now because of the virus, because of the shelter in place, so many of our lives have been disrupted, and we're recognizing the anger and the frustration and the fear that's coming, but all of those things are coming because we have been settling for sour wine. See, I have been amazed that over the last two weeks, I've had no fear. I have had no anxiety. No, I know you can't believe it. I have felt the heaviness of the ministry in this time but I have not been afraid of it because not because I'm great but because he's great he has empowered me in the moment to deal with this there is so much more for us we need to give up on the sour wine of this world and hang on to the fine wine of Jesus trusting that the things that he's leading us into are going to be so much better than we can ever imagine not necessarily going to be richer in this world because we may end up homeless we may end up on the streets we may up not having a 401k but you know what if Jesus is calling us he'll take care of us Matthew chapter 6 I mean the birds of the air they don't store up are you have to worry about that you're much more valuable than a bird come on so we need to recognize this folks the fine wine of Jesus offers is so much better than anything this world has to offer and we have an opportunity today to step into this new fine wine to taste it to receive it to accept it and to walk in it and this good news is not just for us it's for the entire world And so that's the next step when we understand this fine wine that we have, that we then would be able to share that with others because our world is in desperate need of a savior. Mike Hurley talking on the phone just a couple of days, a couple of people, opportunity to lead them to Christ because they were ready. It's not because Mike's a great communicator. He's a good communicator, don't get me wrong. But Mike was just being a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, following him into that ministry that he felt afraid about and out of his comfort zone, but he does it and then God uses him and Mike gets to be a part of this amazing celebration. Folks, we all have that opportunity before us. There are people around us who this world they're recognizing the faded glory of this world 
It's falling down around them. They're losing their jobs. They're losing their 401ks. They're losing their family and able to interact with their family because they're isolated. So we have an opportunity to let them know that there is fine wine that Jesus is offering them if we will just get out of our comfort zones, if we'll just follow Jesus. He's got amazing things for us beyond measure. Don't doubt it. Don't doubt him. For those who may be watching this morning who don't know Jesus, I want to let you know that just personally, me to you, that this offer is for you. This world is in chaos right now and it's not just because of the virus. The world's in chaos because we're sinful people because we've messed things up, because we're prideful and think that we can do it, because we're selfish and it's just about me and making sure I'm hoarding what I have so that my family's okay, that I'm okay. These are ugly things that we're facing and experiencing in this world. But understand that Jesus came and walked among us in this world and that he took the evil and the ugliness of this world upon himself so that we could escape this world, so that even in the midst of the chaos of this world, that we could find peace and hope and joy and love. See, Jesus took our sin and he offers forgiveness. Jesus took our despair and he offers hope. Jesus accepted loneliness and offers an adoption into his eternal family. Jesus endured the separation from his father and offers us intimacy with God, unity with God, God in us. And he drank of the discontentment of this world and he offers satisfaction in him. If you need hope, if you need love, if you need peace, if you need joy in your life, Jesus is the only source that can give that to you and satisfy you. The things of this world will bring brief satisfaction for a moment, but it's always fading. But what we find in Jesus is a hope and a joy and a peace and a love that will last for eternity. So if you are looking for that, I encourage you to bow on your knees, confess your sin to Jesus and how you have messed up your life, how you've rebelled against his plan, and then cry out and say, Jesus, you are the Lord of my life. And his spirit will come and indwell you And you can begin to journey and taste this amazing fine wine that he offers. It's for you. It's for all of us. Church, who do you know that needs these truths? Pray about it, ask about it, and look for those people that need it. Worship team, why don't you come up? We'll sing one more song and then I'll come back with a passage of scripture hopefully to encourage you with. God is good. He has taken the discontentment of this world. He's, 
He's taken all of the failures of this world and he offers us a satisfaction that's beyond what we could ever imagine. You just need to go to him and to ask him and to follow him. And he will be glorified and you will be blessed. All right, let's sing together.
Heavenly Father, I, I thank you for the fine wine that you offer us. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity that we have right now of disruption. <laughs> Recognizing the sour wine that this world offers is sour. That it does not satisfy. That it will never bring contentment. Thank you for disrupting our lives so that we get an opportunity to recognize the things in this world that we've been leaning on, that we've been placing our hope in and security in. Lord, continue to develop us as a church, as, as your family. Continue to reveal those areas that need to be surrendered to you. Lord, continue to speak to our hearts and allow us the opportunity to step out and to continue to cling to your, your truth. To be able to sip again from the fine wine that you offer. But Lord, when we also recognize that this fine wine that you offer does not come from our efforts. It's not about us trying to get all disciplined and, and stop sinning and, and, and you know, spending more time praying and all that kind of stuff. Those things can help, but those are things that you motivate in us when we turn to you. So Lord, just help us to cry out to Jesus. To turn our focus on him. And ask Jesus to motivate our hearts to follow him and to desire and long for the fine wine that he offers. And that as we do that, Lord, that we would recognize that there's people around us who are tired of the sour wine of this world as well and are looking for something better. And because we know so much about this Jesus, because we've experienced it, because we've experienced him we can say to them, I've got the answer. Here's the one who knew everything about me, who loved me and accepted me just as I am, and offers me fine wine and an eternal existence with him. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and following. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at a proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in the faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever, Amen and hallelujah and God bless. Love you, church. We'll have this on for another 10 minutes or so if you guys want to continue to interact and fellowship together uh, via uh, this, uh, this forum of you know, typing in messages or whatever. encourage you to do that. May you have a blessed week. In Jesus' name, see ya.
up sleeves, he ain't just putting on the Ritz. Our God is an awesome God. There is thunder and his footsteps and lightning in a fist. Our God is an awesome God.
right. I think that's all we have. I think that's about 10 minutes. Yeah. All right, we love you all.